O God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. O God the Son, redeemer, O God the Son, redeemer of the world. O God the Holy Spirit, sanctifier of the faithful. O holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, one God. Remember not, Lord Christ, the offenses, nor the offenses of our forefathers. Neither reward us according to our sins. Spare us, good Lord, spare thy people, whom thou hast redeemed with thy most precious blood, and by thy mercy preserve us forever. Spare us, good Lord. From all evil and wickedness, from sin, from the crafts and assaults of the devil, and from everlasting damnation, good Lord, Lord, deliver us. From all blindness of heart, from pride, vainglory, and hypocrisy, from envy, hatred, and malice, and from all want of charity, good, good Lord, Lord, deliver us. From lightning and tempests, from earthquakes, fire, and flood, from plague, pestilence, and famine, good, good Lord, Lord, deliver us. From all oppression, conspiracy, and rebellion, from violence, battle, and murder, and from dying suddenly and unprepared, good, good Lord, deliver us. By thine agony and sweat, bloody sweat, by the cross and passion, by thy precious death and burial, by thy glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Ghost, good, good Lord, deliver us. In all time of our tribulation, in all time of our prosperity, in the hour of death, and in the day of judgment, good, good Lord, deliver us. We sinners do beseech thee to hear us, O Lord God, that it may please thee to rule and govern the Holy Church universal in the right way. We beseech thee to hear us, That it may please thee to bless and keep all thy people. Singleness of heart as thy servants, 
and for the common good. That it may please thee to visit the lonely, to strengthen all who suffer in mind, body, and spirit, and to comfort with thy presence those who are failing and infirm. That it may please thee to give us true repentance, to forgive us all our sins, negligences, and ignorances, and to adieu us with the grace of thy Holy Spirit, to amend our lives according to thy holy word. That it may please thee to forgive our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, and to turn their hearts. That it may please thee to strengthen such as do stand, to comfort and help the weak-hearted, to raise up those who fall, and finally to beat down Satan under our feet. That it may please thee to grant all the faithful departed eternal life and peace. Son of God, we beseech thee to hear us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated for the proclamation of the word. and two sons with him. As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds and domesticated animals and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that every, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations, I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see 
and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is the earth. reading from the first letter of Peter. Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. The word of the Lord.
gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart, and the Spirit descended like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. needs props. <laughs> well, good morning. Here we are in the first Sunday of Lent. How's your Lent and discipline going? Some people have forgotten it by Thursday morning, but that's not what we're going to focus on today. Let us not focus on the negative. We'll only focus on the positive. And always on the first Sunday of Lent, we have the readings that Jesus is tempted in the desert by Satan. And Mark's gospel in particular is maddeningly terse. He doesn't give us much to go on. But I think that is a, a good thing because now we can flesh out the story in our own minds. We can think about what it was like for Jesus to be in the desert after his baptism. And I am, always have imagined in this particular reading when he's driven into the wilderness that He's being pushed, either by God or by Satan, to go for those 40 days on his own. And the Gospel of Mark's reading today, in the words of Padraig Otwama, who is a, an Irish poet and theologian, is that we engage this text by noticing its nooks and crannies. I thought that was a beautiful way to think of this particular reading from Mark, because as I said, it is so spare in its language, and it does give us freedom to engage the text in any way that we see fit for our own lives, because honestly, reading the Bible is for us our own personal journey. So I imagine Jesus starting out, and he's thinking, I get a few days on my own here. I don't have anyone to talk to. I don't have anyone bothering me. I don't have to be with anyone. And this, of course, is before he's called his disciples or his ministry has really begun. But I can imagine that it's sort of a, a break point in his life. He is now an adult. He's been baptized. 
and he's been set apart by God. When the heavens were torn open and the dove descended upon it, him, saying, this is my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Who doesn't want to hear those words? Who doesn't want to hear someone say, you are my beloved, and with you I am well pleased? So I can imagine that Jesus sits on a rock, pondering those words, and then he begins to look around a little bit, and he's, he's feeling pretty good, you know? I can do this, he thinks. Forty days, that's nothing. And then night comes. And he hears the coyote in the background. And he hears the skittering of an armadillo or a, a scorpion running along the desert floor. He has no, uh, only thing he has to keep him warm is his gar are his garments. So after a few days, without any food or water or shelter... He begins to think that maybe this isn't so much fun after all. Maybe this is not what he had anticipated when he was baptized. Most of us, when we are baptized, have a party, or our parents have a party on behalf of us to celebrate our initiation into the body of Christ. But for Jesus, there's no party. There is only standing and sitting and laying in the desert alone. And suddenly, he begins to think about what it is God has called him to do. What is his mission here on earth? And why is he here? And that's why I have for you all today this painting by Ivan Kramskoy. He was a art, uh, Russian artist and he painted this in 1872. It's entitled Christ in the Wilderness. It is one of my favorite paintings because I love the look on Jesus' face. He's sitting on the rock. His hands are clenched like this. He's not clasping them gently. They are clenched. He is deep in thinking about what he is called to do. He also, the, and the other piece, interesting piece about this is that the horizon splits the painting in two. So we can almost see that the darkness of the rocks that surround him also give us an idea of the dawn breaking when he will come out of the desert and claim his ministry. He will claim who he is. Those are not easy things to do even today in our world. This Jesus, I believe, in this painting, is thinking to himself, who am I? What am I here for? And how am I going to get God's message out to the people? Is anyone going to listen to me? Is anyone going to take what I say and put it to use in their own lives? This Jesus is pensive, but also, I would have to say, a little bit frightened. Because now he is going out into the unknown. He has left his family and friends. And like those of us who, excuse me, have reached adulthood, we know that those can be scary times. And this shows Jesus in all his humanity. In the Russian Orthodox Church, 
Jesus is often depicted in, in red and blue clothing, blue for his divinity and red for his humanity. So we have a lot of things going on here. He's human and divine, but in this moment, I think his humanity overtakes that divinity as he wrestles with who he is, just as Jacob wrestled with the angel, just as Moses and Jesus is also the second Moses, wrestled with the Israelites who were so hard-hearted and misunderstood and built a golden calf. Those are all the things that Jesus would have been thinking about as he sat on that rock alone. What is God calling you to do and to be? Who is God asking you? What in your little nooks and crannies of your spirit is God reaching into and pulling out a new person, a new way of life, a new way of seeing the world. These are not easy ways to live. For some, it is just one long slog, constantly on a self-improvement plan, on a way to be a better person. There's a program on NPR called The Moth, The Moth Radio Hour. And various people get up to tell stories about things that have happened in their lives. And there have been a couple of books published with these stories. And the one I ran across from, which I believe fits perfectly with the reading for today, is by Roseanne Cash, the daughter of the legendary Johnny Cash. And Roseanne talks about when she was a young girl and they lived in Southern California, her dad would take her to New York City. And he took her one time to a hippie shop, she said, and bought her this beautiful custom-made green leather jacket that she says still fits. Well, it almost fits, she told the audience. We all have clothes like that in our closet, the someday clothes. She cut an album called Record Shop in King's Street, and it was a great success. It just blew everybody's mind, and so she was on her way to one success after another. So she decided to move to Nashville and begin her own record company. And she said at that time, Nashville was an incredibly sexist city for a woman to begin her career, especially as a record producer. So she started on her own label, and then she, excuse me, I lost my place. She cut another album called Reflections, and she was so excited about it, and she brought the record company executive vice president in, and he sat down, and track after track was played, and he was silent. And she kept thinking in her own mind that he was going to tell her this was the best record album he had ever heard in his whole entire life. It was going to be a wonderful success, and she was going to have money coming out of her ears. They got to the end of the recording, and he turned to her after a 
few minutes of silence, and he said, nobody's going to buy that record. It's a downer. She, she ignored him. She was angry with him for saying that. How could he possibly say that to her? This was brilliant. This was who she was. This was the real Roseanne Cash that had showed up and recorded this record. It wasn't some trite country music that she did to please the masses. This was her. Well, the record producer was right. Nobody bought the album. It was terrible, it was a flop. So she moved to New York City where she figured she could get a fresh start. She divorced her husband and had custody of her two children. They lived in an apartment that was a cold water walk up. Her children did not adjust very well to life in New York City. She said she had to go to school every day with her daughter because the little girl was so afraid so she would sit through nursery school with her. And there was a fellow who would come in and sing songs to them, you know, things that I could hear, see her cringing, saying, he would sing like, peanut butter, peanut butter and jelly. And one day he came in and his guitar was out of tune and he was trying to tune it. And at that moment, it was like Roseanne said, her, her mind opened up, her spirit, her heart. And she said to the fellow, Turn your D string. It's your D string that's out of tune. And he looked at her like, who the heck do you think you are, lady? You're just some mom. I'm the artist here. Well, he turned the D string, and sure enough, then the guitar was in tune. But she said that was another moment when the real her emerged. The person who was able to stand up and speak out and say what was true. But things continued to not go well for Roseanne. One rainy day in New York City, she got off the subway and got out and saw that it was just tipping down with rain. So she went into a deli to buy one of those umbrellas that were cheap. And she looked and she'd forgotten her wallet, so she had no money. And she realized she'd used her last subway token, so she had no way to get home. And just as that, her cell phone rang. And who would be on the other end but Vice President Gore, inviting her to lunch at the Regency Hotel. He was in town because he was getting together an environmental conference, and he wanted her to sing. Well, she thought to herself, could I make it to the Regency and not look like a bedraggled rat when I got there? Or should I just tell him no? She took the safe answer and told him no, that she wouldn't be able to meet him, that she was busy that day. She didn't let her true self show up. And she regretted that. So a few weeks later, she was in a taxi cab and the cab driver looked in his rearview mirror and said, Roseanne Cash, I reviewed your record reflections for the Rolling Stone. I was the one that gave you the good review. And she said, oh, thanks. And as, he got, as she got out of the cab, he looked at her and he said, but by the way, my review should have been the lead review in that article. 
and not the other fellows. She said his true self came out because he acknowledged what he felt in his heart. Jesus' true self is what he's in the midst of acknowledging in the desert. He's thinking about who he is, who he's been called to serve, and what he's been called to do. They won't be easy. If Roseanne Cash's story is anything like Jesus' story, it's not an easy road to speak your truth. It is not an easy road to be true to yourself. But it is the road we are all called to do. It's how change happens in our society. It's how we function as people of God. Yes, we will tell people hard truths, but we know in our heart that those are the truths that God has called us to speak, not cruelly or unkindly, but as St. Paul tells us, we speak the truth in love. And sometimes we know the truth is hard to take. And Jesus will speak the truth, and we know what end he comes to. And we often think, what if, if only, and I'm sure at various points in his life he thought those very same things. But in our Lenten journey, as we look in the nooks and crannies of our souls, we will see and feel that we are finally able to be our true selves. Amen. Please, in the Nicene Creed, we believe in the one God, the Father is Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and is unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father, who to him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one 